Hello, and welcome to Methods, an exploration in guided prayer and meditation. My name's Jory, and up to now we've been exclusively releasing guided prayers and meditations. We're going to start doing things a little differently by inviting guests on that may have something to say to us to inform the way we approach our practices, and by extension, how we approach life. This segment is going to be called Being With, after the thought of Martin Heidegger, who saw that we are essentially social beings, and that means that our entire way of being in the world is oriented by relationship with others, and anything less is inauthentic. Or as a poet once said, no man is an entire island of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. These short segments are going to consist of a conversation, followed by a separate episode with that guest leading us through their preferred method of prayer, meditation, or however they ground and center themselves. Today we talk with Keith Christick. Keith is a centering prayer group facilitator, Enneagram expert, and life coach. Keith Christick, welcome to Methods. So you're the first Enneagram expert I've had on the podcast, and I, I talk about uh, spiritual practice and methods regarding spiritual practice as far as meditation, prayer, uh, types of contemplation, but I've yet to really talk about the Enneagram. Some people I've talked to, you know what it is and, you know, mention it in passing, but not anyone that works with it directly like mm-hmm. you do. So mm-hmm. just for our listeners who may not be aware of what that is, which I find maybe hard to believe, but what is the Enneagram? Well, the Enneagram is first and foremost, it's uh, a symbol. It's a nine pointed star. Um, so Ennea means nine and gram means model or graph. So it's a nine pointed, nine pointed, um, um, yeah, um, model. So, but it's, it's sort of well known now since the late seventies, early eighties as a personality typing system, although it was, it's been around a lot, a lot longer than personality, personality psychology was applied to it. Um, but most people know it as a, a system that sort of uncovers nine unconscious motivations and those motivations being things that drive our life, our behavior, how we react emotionally, different thought patterns, um, that these, each of these nine unique patterns of being in the world of how we pay attention in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's super interesting to think how wildly different people are and people aren't just worse versions of myself is that we're fundamentally seeing the world from a different perspective. So. so, so then what's the, the draw of the Enneagram over and against the, the myriad other, uh, personality typing systems? Like there's Myers-Briggs, mm-hmm. um, Facebook has a few, you can find out what type of hot dog you are or, right, right. um, so what, what's the, the draw of the Enneagram specifically? Yeah, I think there, there's two answers to that for me. The first is it, it's about our motivation. So it's about the why behind our behavior. So we're Myers-Briggs or DISC assessment, those sort of more common personality typing systems are about like, how do you act or how do you behave in the world? Um, this the Enneagram is much more like a layer deeper. It's like, why do you do what you do? Mm-hmm. What's the motivation behind it? So both of us, we might go to the gym um, we might both exhibit the same external behavior of going to the gym and working out, but we might be doing so for various reasons. One, seeking um, to look sexy for other people because self-image is a, a priority. Um, and the other might be doing so to like have the perfect body and perfect health because 
health than a perfect um, self-standards important. So behaviors are different. Mm-hmm. Um, and some personality typing systems are good at like breaking down personality inside of behavior where the Enneagrams just that much deeper. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about personality exactly. It's about the the unconscious motivations beneath why mm-hmm. those differentiations in personality exist. Yeah, 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 exactly. And And the second thing is really the, to me, even more importantly, is there's a really rich spiritual heritage within the Enneagram. Um, some teachers will just use it as a psychological tool, um, but it's really a tool that's like, you know, has to do with the psyche. It has to do with the spirit, has to do with our bodies. Um, and depending on how open and receptive you are to spirituality, there's a really beautiful um, spiritual component of who you are and your truest self that you can lay over top of that, mm-hmm. um, which is where I like to spend a little bit more time. Because um, I first found the Enneagram, my spiritual director introduced it to me maybe six years ago. And so meeting for these one hour sessions and like breaking down who I am and my relationship to the divine or the lack thereof. Um, you know, how does my personality fit into all that? So I was able to make use of it in that spiritual context. So I like to open that up for people. Mm -hmm. So in regards to, uh, let's say, uh, somebody from a Christian background, which is probably most of our listeners, how do you, deal with the the idea that it seems new agey so like someone coming from a typical non-denominational church might see something like the enneagram as mm-hmm. foreign or as possibly demonic um mm-hmm. and i'm sure i'm sure you've heard that so what do you say when people have that preconception yeah i guess i'm not around that group um, too much to have that response come up, but I totally can imagine that coming from the church that I grew up in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would let people hold their opinions if they <laughs> want to cling to them. Um, but that's where I would, I would turn to some of the psychological, um, tools, just the practical use of what does it mean to like know our personality biases? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to like recognize that humans are different and we can know our differences and we can recognize our strengths and what we need to strengthen recognize our weaknesses and just using it as a psychological tool just like the myers-briggs isn't new agey the enneagram isn't new agey if we're just using personality psychology secular psychology so if you're afraid of that then that's a whole nother thing right but it doesn't it's not new aging it's just personality psychology mm-hmm. so y- you have a pdf on your website and i i was looking through it and one concept that um, stood out to me was that you asked the question, who is the I that has the type? Who is the I behind the Enneagram number? Which I think isn't a question that a lot of people ask. Sometimes when they, when they use the Enneagram, they just kind of initially come to it and want to find out who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they look to it as a tool to explain why they behave the way they do. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it stops there. It stops at, mm-hmm. you know, um, oh, well, this is why I act this way. And so whenever, um, I act this way, I can say, well, I'm a four or, well, I'm mm-hmm. a six, you know, that's just me. So talk about this idea of the, the eye behind the type. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. That's, um, Really just pointing at the fact that our type isn't who we are, it's who we're not. Um, the type is, I see it as, you know, a lot of people were trained to say, I am a type six. 
I am a type nine. And then you take on and cling to these personality patterns. But the personality is just one layer of the self. And it's part of the psychological self. And it's part of our like habitual mental thinking patterns and how our emotions play out um, in a variety of ways. And so the I, um, the true I, I think, is in a sense naked and without personality. Um, and so... Prayer, meditation, contemplative prayers are like pathway to move beyond the mind, to move beyond the fluctuations of mind and heart. And the true self isn't something that um, necessarily has a personality. A big teacher for me is uh, Thomas Keating, Mm -hmm. a Trappist monk who taught centering prayer. And he um, spoke of contemplation as a time of taking a vacation from yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if you're truly in like loving union with that, which is most ultimate and um, loving God or the divine, it's um, really a, a way where we're temporarily transcending our own typology, even our Enneagram type, because mm-hmm. the mind is sort of moving away. And this is where Buddhism is really helpful to recognize, like we are not our minds. Mm-hmm. Like our minds are something that we have, our typology, our Enneagram type is something that we have and it's a tool and it's a good thing and we can use it, but it's merely one dimension of our ego. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't allow the Enneagram typology to um, lay claim to the totality of our identity. Yeah. Um, rather, it's about loosening up Enneagram's typology so that we can see from all nine perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was Gurdjieff that talked about the Enneagram type says what type of idiot you are. Or, uh, yeah. which initially is is kind of I guess offensive probably but mm-hmm. I mean it's it's true in that it's it's a way that each one of us is is different and important and integral to the the whole yet it's also something that that separates us from other people because that's our our limited vantage point so with your uh you're a centering prayer um, practitioner and workshop leader so how does how does the apophatic and receptive nature of centering prayer, as popularized by Thomas Keating, how does that stepping away from the personality influence and inform the shadow work, so to speak, of the Enneagram and, and delving into the personality? Like, how do those two fit together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think for me, it's sort of like this prog- like maybe a two or three step process of like recognizing our personality and sort of affirming it at once and like seeing it for what it is. And then recognizing that we're not the personality, that we're the the observer of the personality. Well, if I can see myself behave and act and react in these different ways, who is the I that's able to be observing this mm-hmm. um, and recognizing that's, you know, the personality is something that I see. It's not who I am. And I think the, that first, that first initial step of stepping back is where meditation, I think centering prayer in particular, is a really helpful met- method because you're constantly in centering prayer. It's a, a path of, you know, Cynthia Brigeau talks about is the kenotic um, process of self-emptying. Mm-hmm. And so we're always letting go. We're always surrendering every thought that comes up, every emotion, whether it's positive or negative, whether it's a divine God's voice coming to us, we let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, we're letting go of everything, and so we're holding on to nothing. There's a non a non possessiveness to the to the meditation, and so um, we're disidentifying from our type, if we want to call, if we want to use that enneagram language. But we're really disidentifying from the entire self system, including our the roles we play in life, and 
including the, our own past histories and all the drama that we replay in our minds. Um, so it's the, the apophatic is creating that, that interior spaciousness of that letting go. And then when arriving back into the world, we can bring that spaciousness, that openness of mind, that openness of heart and approach the world from a new level of, of, of spaciousness. So we're not so reactive, which is the classic meditation um, sort of benefit is we're not reacting, we're responding because we have that internal spaciousness. Mm-hmm. But it also gives us the ability to sort of, um, I don't want to say this, um, I think be more loving. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that spaciousness is what gives us the capacity to not operate out of the ego um, because we've trained ourselves for 20, 30, 40 minutes a day to let go of the ego. And now we can bring that sort of heartfulness that we, that we gained on the cushion into the world um, and bring love <laughs> into the world because we're not reacting all the time. We're not um, just responding out of ego. Yeah. So, You've touched on something that's kind of a a hot button issue for me because I see all the ways in which corporate religion and uh, modern spirituality kind of focus on this idea of, well, you must you must do these these things in order to uh, be a loving person. Like it's it's almost like a checklist of. Well, you have to be socially conscious. You have to be uh, a sustainable consumer. You have to um, participate in, you know, uh, politics in a in a justice oriented manner. You have to serve the poor, and it's and all those things I think are true in in the the karma yoga type of way, mm-hmm. in that it can you can serve and release your ego through doing those things. But I think a lot of times people use it as just another way to get into their ego and almost like as a prerequisite when I think at least my interpretation of the various faith streams is that that practice of inner silence, whatever form it may take, um, centering prayer, Vipassana, so on, is a way to like you said, to to let go of the ego mm-hmm. and drop into that, you know, just plain awareness and then the loving kindness that we're expected to do comes out kind of naturally because mm-hmm. there's no ego in the way mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And I, and I think that, I mean, I think one of the things you find early on too in the meditative journey is like, we have everything we need, like right here, right at our heart. <laughs> um, that loving kindness is there and that we can, we get that best when we like slow down, when we enter into spaciousness and, and non-doing because everything that you named before, like becoming a loving per- person has to do with the external world and man- maybe manipulating yourself. Maybe it's natural, but to do, do, do. And that's how you show love. And, and contemplation, meditation, these sort of self-emptying tools are about recognizing that in the emptiness, in the bare naked awareness is the joy and the peace. Um, there's an Anthony DeMello quote I loved so much, and he said, when the eye is unobstructed, the result is sight. When the ear is unobstructed, the result is hearing. When the mind is unobstructed, the result is truth. And when the heart is unobstructed, the result is joy and love. Mm. 
That's good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so it's all there. Like our eye was created to see clearly and our ear was created to hear clearly and our mind was created to know the truth, not perceive through personality mm-hmm. or opinions. And our heart wasn't meant to be stone cold or bitter, um, but to know and perceive love um, from the inside out. And so I think that's one of the, the critical points of practice meditation and in prayers to recognize in that spaciousness, that naked, bare naked awareness is love. Yeah. Is peace, is joy. So that that's the bedrock basement level is joy, peace, love. And we just have these kind of egoic superstructures built on top of that. Mm-hmm. And we just need to go down to the, the base layer, so mm-hmm. to speak, not necessarily build up mm-hmm. to achieve peace and love and harmony like it's something we can aspire to but it's it's the it's the thing underneath of all the other stuff Mm -hmm. in a way yeah yeah and like connecting it to like one of your early questions about like who are you like or what labels are like even the labels are attempts right to like grasp the peace and joy like if i'm a christian or the right kind of christian or if I find the right religion and the true religion, then I'll be happy or mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, any number of things. If I can find the right job and be, have that title that, um, that I aspire to my whole life, then I'll be happy. But these are all just like fabrications by humanity, which are helpful tools to use. And we all use them and they're good, um, but they're entirely limited to bring us legitimate internal happiness. And yeah. So it seems like there's this dance between transcending the personality and the ego, but also including it, not mm-hmm. pushing it away entirely. And the the dance between form and emptiness mm-hmm. and, and holding those two things in tension. And I think maybe when we run towards one or the other, like a lot of people tend to do, we, we lose balance mm-hmm. and... We have to kind of hold those two things in tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly, there's a huge, you know, there's obviously a big, large spiritual tradition. Most much of it coming from the East to like we just need to transcend the ego or kill the ego. And I just don't take that perspective. It doesn't. I mean, there's a time where I kind of like held on to that, and then it was like, wait a second, no, this isn't right. Like, I and maybe it's just the Western mind or my Christian upbringing. Um, but the e- the I, the ego, the, the individual self is love, is, is from love and is created in its uniqueness for divine purpose and um, is affirmed. I think Cynthia Bourgeau says, um, um, you're given an instrument, play your instrument, but you are not your instrument. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. So it just points to the fact that we've been given this as a tool, um, form in our bodies and our personality use and to play and to play beautifully, but to recognize that um, it's not the end game. Yeah. Yeah. The mind, I forget who says it. Um, the mind is a, a great servant, but a terrible master. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. coming back to contemplative prayer and meditation, which is a way to allow that mind to, to be the servant of the awareness that is behind the personality um, what, what is contemplative prayer and meditation to you personally? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it boils down to just being, you know, a little cliche to say, but like, we're not, 
human doings, but human beings. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, contemplation and centering prayer in particular is a method, is a way to just let go of every single thing. Um, every thought, every emotion, every body sensation, every memory, every plan I want to create in my head and just sit with my eyes closed um, as a symbol of letting go of the external world and to sit in a place of silence as a way to silence my own internal world and to just be. Mm -hmm. And um, recognizing that that like very beingness, I almost have this like image of like, moving like pulsating beads like <laughs> that they're just like being like um it has nothing to do with the external it has nothing to do with the, the world as it is i mean we bring that that spirit back into the world and we embody it in the world and so there's no true separation between it but the actual act of contemplation the actual actual act of closing the eyes is about just resting in complete beingness mm-hmm so and in that, I think a lot of people would call that God. You know, God is the super being or maybe the, the ground of being is, is what I would prefer, the groundless ground of being. Mm-hmm. And that we're resting our mind, we're resting our, our thinking, we're resting our feelings and resting ultimately in the divine and mm-hmm. finding the ground of being through which we emerge is God itself and is love. Yeah. It's I, all there. I, I like that that Paul Tillich reference of of the ground of being. I, I personally like to to take it further and and say it's the ground of both being and non-being to bring in some of that Advaita um, mm-hmm. influence too. Resting in just being. What about some people talk about like a a, a mystical experience or a contemplative vision? Have you ever had mm-hmm. anything like that? No, I, um, my experience of the mystical is just like the complete void and the complete emptiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and centering prayer in particular is a method that sort of like in its apophatic tradition says to let go of any, any vision that comes up, even if it's God coming to speak, I like to say, God will leave a voicemail. Like if the divine <laughs> is here to speak to you <laughs> during centering prayer, you let that go. And if it was truly from that, um, which is it will leave a voicemail and it will come back to you. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm kind of an atheist on top of all of this. So this where labels get a little confusing, but I definitely consider myself, you know, an atheist that believes in God. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of don't really, that believe makes sense <laughs> so to some people. It's like, Oh yeah. But to others it's yeah. Um, so yeah, the mystical, in a sense, I'm obsessed with the mystical experience. Um, but there's a part of me that doesn't, uh, that is void of any experience. So, mm-hmm. but I'm well aware of the nothingness and the complete absence of the self <laughs> and um, the void within me, that point of nothingness that Thomas Burton talks about mm-hmm. is something I'm pretty familiar with. It doesn't, um, that point of nothingness isn't very fun or visionary for me. Right. But it, it places everything else in, in kind of a perspective mm-hmm. once you, you come from that place.
so I'm, I'm guessing your, your favorite personal method of practice is centering prayer. So initially, would it, was it Cynthia Bourgeau that drew, drew you to centering prayer or Thomas Keating? Um, I, in the very beginning, it was Thomas Keating. Um, although there was, I read Martin Laird's book, um, into the silent land, into the silent land first A priest, um, father Bob had given me that book while I lived at this retreat center for a summer. And that was a really opening book. And then eventually found my way to Keating and then to Cynthia Bourgeau and, you know, loved Cynthia, um, so much just started a new book of hers which is exciting uh, the holy trinity and the law of three mm. um, but yeah cynthia's huge thomas king's huge for me so in terms of actual effect do you notice because a lot of people don't want to necessarily go into a rigorous or devoted practice apart from either a uh, devotion to a God or B in terms of like the, uh, modern mindfulness movement, um, Mm -hmm. actual hard effects of Mm -hmm. what will this do in my life? Like, I'm not just going to sit quietly for half an hour every morning for no reason. Like it's, it's gonna, it's gonna have to do something initially for me. Right. So, so what, what do you find that centering prayer does in your own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a, yeah, both of those are, yeah, both good questions and pointings. I, I think for me it has, I think of it as being the most practical thing and the most spiritual thing I can do in my day. I think because it is a legitimate meditation practice, which sometimes gets left out because if you're learning from just a Catholic audience that, started centering prayer can be very prayerful and not always pointed at as a meditation, but as a meditation method, it is letting go and it is um, creating interior spaciousness and allowing you to rest as awareness rather than the thinker of thoughts. And so um, it is super practical just on the psychological level to sit down and for 20 minutes, not take concern of all the things that I need to think about and all the things I need to do and all my emotions and to take the attention off of myself and to just let it all go. And that in itself is a practice that allows me going into my day practically is a way of um, not taking life so freaking seriously all the time and not to be so reactive when other people blow up because they're just living in their own little mental trip um, that I get, I could do it too, you know? Um, but it, that practice allows me to let go in the moment mm-hmm. uh, in a way that I, don't, I just don't have that capacity if I'm not well practiced, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing is, and I, maybe this is more for the the Christian audience or, or not, I don't know. Um, like it is a legitimate devotional practice to loving the, to God, to loving God. <laughs> um, Thomas Keating always talks about, you know, kind of, sums up centering prayers resting in God. I think St. Gregory or um, somebody else said it, but he sort of points that contemplation is resting in God. It's not talking to God. It's not praising God. It's not thanking God. Um, It's just being with God, just like two bare naked lovers can rest next to each other after making love and just be in each other's loving presence. That's contemplation. Mm -hmm. And so 
I don't know if maybe there's nothing really practical about loving God or resting naked with God, but I don't know what's more intimate than resting in complete nakedness to, with the divine. Um, but I think it does give me that sort of interior intimacy to know that God is not somewhere in the heavens. God is not, I say, the guy in the sky. God is intimately within me. Yes, God is infinitely outside myself, but centering prayer allows me to recognize that that divine point of nothingness is God's presence and action within me. Mm-hmm. And it's right there. It's right in my heart. It's not out there in the heavens. It's right here all the time, just like the air we breathe. And so, I don't know, if there's something practical there, I'll let somebody else figure that out. But for me, it's the intimacy, um, love. If the practice doesn't make me love God, if it doesn't make me love other people, if it doesn't make me love other um, myself, then yeah, I would get rid of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, look for the fruits of the Spirit. Practice and look for the fruits of the Spirit. If you see them, that's good evidence. <laughs> well, that's that's a good place to stop. I think that about sums up our uh, the whole thing. Where can people go to, to keep up with you and to keep up with your work? I know you have a new website. I'll put the uh, the link in the show notes below, but um, just tell everybody where they can go to find you. Sure. Yeah, you can go. Yeah, my website is Keith Christich. So it's K-E-I-T-H-K-R-I-S-T-I-C-H dot com. Um, I also have in the middle of developing a, a new Enneagram website that sort of merges the Enneagram with Contemplative Prayer, and that'll be at egoandessence.com, but that's maybe a month or so down the line. Um, so yeah, encourage people there. There's articles to read and all sorts of fun there. So Awesome. Well, Keith, I'm glad we got to speak again. Thanks for sharing your time with us today. Yeah, Jory, really good to talk. All right, take care. Peace.